Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my fellow Westorians. Welcome to a special intermittent preseason bonus episode discussing some new information we got about House of the Dragon. Let me start by discussing spoilers, because I'm sure some of you are concerned you don't want to have too much of the story laid out before you've seen the show, or you want to have some surprises. Well, I'm with you there. I am too. We don't have... true spoilers for the most part in this episode what we do have is some idea of how some of these characters are going to be portrayed we have some new images which we're going to show in case you haven't seen them already or if you case you didn't notice all the details that we may have caught and we're going to discuss how a lot of these actors aim to portray their characters and a few of these are a little bit surprising but not in spoilery ways kind of the things that we're looking forward to learning So let me, expanding on that topic just a little bit, I look at this similarly to season one of Game of Thrones. I read, I had read the book already. I knew what was going to happen roughly. I knew there would be some differences. I didn't know what they would be. And I don't know what, for the most part, we don't know what the differences in House of the Dragon will be. There's bound to be a few. But when and where... Other than a few exceptions, we don't really know. And the few things we do know are pretty minor, like a character's age being changed slightly or an event that happened in one year is actually two years sooner or two years later. Very small things like that. The kind of stuff that even purists probably wouldn't have much to complain about. So what I mean, a lot of y'all had a similar experience, right? You may have already read A Game of Thrones before season one on HBO dropped back in 2011. Or maybe you picked up the books after season one or two, and then you were ahead of the game. And then by the time season three came around, you had already read that part of the book. So you had a lot of idea what was coming. What was exciting was seeing it all portrayed, seeing the actors portraying these amazing, deep characters and these incredible events put up on screen and of course the fun of experiencing it all together as a group as a fandom whether it's your friends whether it's your your close friends that you watch the show with or people you talk about it online with afterwards the wider fandom our discord and facebook groups for example things like that i think that's all really that's all part of the experience what's different here is we know the structure we know a lot of the milestone events but we don't know the characters. We have an idea. I mean, we have an idea. Damon is bloodthirsty. He's a killer. He's unhinged in some ways. There's some idea about him. 
But Viserys, for example, we're told that Viserys's portrayal is going to be very moving. A lot of people who have seen the episodes already have taken note of his performance. And you would never, ever have gleaned something like that from Fire and Blood, right? That's just completely, like, you might have invented your own ideas for what was there since there wasn't much there but i mean even george said he didn't see viserys that way with such depth when he was writing fire and blood that's right so because he didn't envision viserys being on screen and those things that would make this character come alive weren't necessary because it's a historical text george wrote it like a maester would write a history book, which doesn't include the type of things that an actor will add to a character. Like, it's a historic portrayal versus an actor's portrayal. These are very different things. They're looking for very different details within a character. How they move, how they talk, how they speak, what moves them emotionally, what their interests are. Historians don't take note of a lot of those things. Maybe they should in some cases when they're important enough. Maybe they should more often anyway. But... We're not here to correct historians. That's a bit bigger of a task. We're here to analyze and, and compare and have fun with it. And I do think that's pretty rea uh, reflective of how history is written. And something I really love that in these interviews that we saw, a line from both lines from Ryan Condal and from several of the actors discussing the inherent, say, chauvinism of historians, because most historians are men and they haven't. It's not that they're necessarily sexist. Some of it's, some of it is. I mean, some of it definitely is that. Not intentionally sexist is more what I mean, is they simply don't have women's experiences and that's, they miss some things, right? You don't have a woman's perspective. A woman's perspective isn't better or worse. It's just different. Same as it would be if you were raised in a different culture or there's things that are different, right? It's, it, it isn't about better or worse. It's just about different. And that's why we encourage writer rooms to have more diversity because you have people that have had different experiences. And that's what we have in this show. We have a lot more diversity in the writer's rooms. So I think that's going to be really good for, for having a wider, more diverse group of characters that a lot, a, a wider group of people can find things to like or dislike or agree with or find like common ground with anyway i'm i'm rambling a little bit but i'm mostly this is coming because i'm excited i'm excited about all these characters and and finding out what they're going to do and what we've got today we're going to discuss a few different characters we're going to discuss the milestones and how they may uh, may line up and we've got maybe the episode titles they might be the accurate episode titles. They might not be. It's not super important whether they are or not. It gives us a framework to work with. Uh, and last thing before we get into it, I want to say this isn't going to be a full-length episode. We're going to keep it shorter. It's still longer than most podcast episodes from other shows. But we're going to have more opportunities here before the show before the show comes out. There's going to be more stuff from Entertainment Weekly, who does a fantastic job. Entertainment Weekly, by the way, shout out to them. They've been covering Game of Thrones since uh, very early days, and they've always done a really good job. Yeah, and it's worth noting, um, when we say there's going to be more stuff from Entertainment Weekly, we mean, as in the reporter who is doing this confirmed, from now on until next week at San Diego Comic-Con, they'll be releasing new content, new little stories, exclusives for the next week. So keep an eye on their feed. Yeah, and we'll be at San Diego Comic-Con. We've mentioned that a few times in case you missed it. I'm saying it again, and when we return, we'll hopefully have some new information as well. So we'll be keeping it up All of to date. us should have a trailer. Yeah, yeah. So. There will be at least one more trailer, um, maybe two. 
Uh, probably just one note at this point. Yeah, we'll get some promos, I'm sure, as well. Like yeah. we'll get we'll get more content besides a trailer. I'm confident of that. That they'll have different TV spots like they do with like, oh, here's an extra little shot, that yeah. kind of thing. Be- and because the story is so rich, so complex, these characters have such well-developed backgrounds, it really does pay to put in a little more time thinking about it. And it'll just be a better experience if you can understand why the characters react the way they do when confronted with certain things that reflect on their own personality, triggers, traumas, uh, uh, things that they hope or fear in for the future, different things their parents inspired or taught them not to do things like that and what we're also going to do during the season i may as well take a minute here to discuss our plans for the season i think a lot of y'all know already but just in case we're going to do two episodes a week during the season 6 p.m on mondays 6 eastern on mondays 3 eastern on saturdays the saturday episodes will always have a guest and we'll be we'll have some spoilers we'll discuss what's going to come as well as other topics. Preview for each week. Preview for each week, exactly. Um, But we'll be full book spoilers, whereas on Monday we'll try to keep it pretty light on that for Sean's benefit more than anyone else. But uh, for that mainly. So Saturday will be Ashea, myself, and a guest. Maybe multiple guests. And then Mondays will be Ashea, me, and Sean. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. And we're going to be posting our episodes as full videos for the length of the season which means less editing. It means because we have a quicker turnaround time. So might be a few more ums and uhs, things like that. But we've been doing this a while. It'll still be good. (laughs) We don't need too much editing. And the reason for that is that we'll have lots of images in our videos, in our um, reviews and and whatnot. If you prefer to listen to podcasts without the images, you still have that choice. Nothing's really going to change other than you're going to hear the audio feed from videos without the editing. And we're going to be curious about getting feedback from y'all and what difference that makes. Some of y'all may notice it substantially. Some of y'all may not notice it all. And we'll be curious about that because we've always tried to do a lot of editing. But with the TV season's uh, pace and having to get things out really quickly, well, we're going to try, we're going to do a little, we're going to opt to do this a little faster to, because, especially because it also gives us the ability to put up more images, which is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get to it. One thing that Reese... Is it Reese Ifans or Ifans? How do you say his name? Ifans. Yeah. He said yeah, that about his character, Otto Hightower, that something that really stuck with me is that he had to make decisions as hand to the king that he doesn't necessarily agree with, that his character wouldn't necessarily agree with or want to do, but because of political expediency or because of maybe it creates bigger problems, you know, kill one person to save five people, that kind of thing, trolley problem type situations that come up in politics. It masks the kind of person they really are. Because if you judge them by their decisions, then you get the wrong idea. Because if they're making decisions they personally don't even agree with, then, well, then that decision isn't actually reflective of their personality. And that is another aspect of Fire and Blood that masks a lot of these characters' true personalities, as we see them behaving in ways that may not be who they are behind closed doors, because this is a, a... political game that turns into a civil war it's not where you can just be yourself it's not like a kick back and make the world what you want it to be which is interesting because the one of the things the dance of the dragons is caused by or set up by is the targaryens have a nice bit of a golden age there where not a whole lot goes wrong and a lot of the characters have 
never learned the lessons of the past, never learned what leads to war, and don't know how bad war is. Now, of course, some of them <laughs> would be willing to do it anyway, but some of them might regret having uh, gotten themselves into what they've gotten themselves into. So let's start with um, each episode. We'll go through the one through ten and, and kind of lay out roughly what we expect from each one. And we'll discuss certain characters as we go through and then wrap up with a few miscellaneous thoughts. Yeah. So have you? I, I was paying attention to the chat. Have you brought up this episode title thing? Not yet. Not yet. Well, I meant no. I did. I mentioned that we had them. Um, I wasn't. I also mentioned I wasn't sure if they were accurate, but it's not super important if they are. It gives us a framework yeah. to work with either way. Yeah. Basically, this was sh- these episode titles were shared online. They might be accurate. The person had to remove them as if they were leaked. Um, but even if they aren't accurate, they they gave us the framework to be like, it makes sense honestly. So we will use the episode titles for this episode. <laughs> yeah, and and they're not spoilery they're all stuff you would expect they don't say yeah. oh my god that's this yeah. yeah no i mean again fire and blood if you've read fire and blood you know the basics if you haven't well if you've listened this far you probably don't mind so let's yeah. get to it episode one possibly called heirs of the dragon makes a ton of sense i believe that's the name in fire and blood in fact one of the sections there it's apparently an hour and six minutes long that's nice it's going to feature the great council of 101 it's Apparently, if not the first scene happens in the first episode, we will have King Jaehaerys. If you saw the Entertainment Weekly cover shoot, there's a beautiful shot of a bunch of, of King Jaehaerys and his court. A lot of interesting characters that we hadn't seen any photos of yet. Uh, there's also Rhyme Redwine, probably uh, uh, the High Septon, probably not Septon Barth because he would have died already. But maybe they, you know, it would have only taken a small timeline tweak to include Septon Barth because he dies. Two years before this great council in book canon. So, yeah, eh, small change. So, Emma Aaron is there. Emma uh, Aaron is important because she's Viserys' wife, but she's also half Targaryen. She's also Viserys' first cousin, half Targaryen herself. We referred to this back in our episode on Before the Dragons, uh, Valerie Reese on Sundays, of course. We talked about how the maiden of the, or the Jane Aaron. Offered to marry Aegon the Conqueror. <laughs> and, uh, oh, wait, was it Jane Aaron? Did I get him reversed? It doesn't matter. The, the Lady Aaron at the time uh, offered herself to Aegon the Conqueror and to try to get married into the dynasty. And we pointed out at the time, well, that didn't work, but it did happen eventually. <laughs> Roderick Aaron and Daella Targaryen got married, and Emma Aaron came of that union, and then she remarried into the Targaryen family. But of course, at this point, Viserys isn't king yet. At the Great Council is when he's going to get named as the heir. And in canon, Jaehaerys dies two years after the Great Council. We're guessing it's going to be in this first episode. He's probably going to die in the first yeah, episode, Yeah, I would guess right? he'll die. Yeah, maybe not at yeah. the Council, but in the episode. A little time Yeah, he will won't pass. just yeah. keel over in the uh, Council. Uh, <laughs> One comment about this image. You have the image of... Yeah, I do have the image up. Excellent. The throne. We saw a theory that this throne was something the sea snake himself brought back from the east yeah hat tip to nobody suspects the butterfly who pointed out that the throne the the design of it isn't your typical westerosi or you know design it looks very eastern and so the idea is that maybe he brings it back from somewhere like yt which would do a really good job at like threading the the um Corley's Valarian sea snake show with House of the Dragon um, showing us this throne. I really like the idea. It's awesome. Purple, purple uh, couch covers, gold everywhere else. Yeah, it does look like there's maybe lotuses hanging there, and there's obviously the seashells all over. It definitely does. I, I like E.T. as an idea. 
But yeah, the idea of Coralise, a... and, and it shows how Coralise has brought lots of treasures back from Esso. So, like, I think it speaks mm-hmm. to Coralise and, you know. It's symbolic of how much of his power is behind the throne. Like, yeah. if he literally bought the throne. All <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> it's like, I gave him his throne. Well, he didn't literally, because, you know, Jaehaerys was around before the sea snake was even born. But still, it's a metaphorical of how much power the sea snake personally and House Valarian has in this era. And yeah, I think the <laughs> ET has certainly has it's had a lot of god emperors. So you'd think they'd have some fancy thrones uh, lying around, mm-hmm. a few spares. Maybe they didn't need any more. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we're thinking they're going to change is they're going to reduce the number of tournaments. There's a bunch of tournaments in this era in canon, and I doubt they're going to show all of them. So maybe they knock it from three to two or just do one or, or have one joust and one melee or something like that. Because Viserys becomes king in 104, which would be three years after the grand, after the council. Look, Jaehaerys dies and then he immediately becomes king and has a tournament celebrated a few months in. That's when Kristen Cole gets noticed. He beats Damon twice and gets Rhaenyra's favor. Again, that's in Fire and Blood. Not necessarily going to happen here, but it'll probably happen roughly like that. That's also when Damon is named commander of the city watch as soon as his brother ascends. That's when he makes them gold cloaks, which we see portrayed in the trailer. So this is probably still episode one. In canon, Ryan Redwen dies and Harold Westerling becomes Lord Commander. And Ama Aaron dies and her child dies. And Damon jokes about it. And that's what starts the first real problem between the brothers. So we're guessing that episode one might feature all this. The death of King Jaehaerys, the death of Ryan Redwine, and the death of Emma Aaron and her child. Which is... That's a lot of death, but it would make a lot of sense to do that. You get Harold Westerling brought in. You get Kristen Cole taking the spot of Rhyme Redwine as Harold Westerling is promoted to Lord Commander. And you get the tragedy of Ama Aaron's death, their child. Now, that's a change from canon. She is not pregnant during the Great Council Mm. in canon. She doesn't have any more stillbirths until the one that kills her, which is four years Mm. after the Great Council. That's a small change. She's also a lot older. Um, yeah. notably she's meant she's in her early 20s um, when she dies in canon whereas in this she's clearly in her 30s or 40s yeah because Viserys is older it looks yeah. like too um, um, so that that fits and I mean it's just a, it's a change that begets more changes I guess uh, but they're not fundamental changes um, after all the characters in Game of Thrones were aged up <laughs> and it didn't yeah. for the most part it didn't have a big impact uh, so that's so roughly that would make sense for the episode to end with Damon's and Viserys having this falling out over him joking about this boy that was king for one day because the boy survives the mother by a day. Ama dies and then the boy dies the next day. The show will probably slightly tweak that, but whatever. So in in canon, in response to this frustration, this uh, really crappy thing that Damon jokes about, Viserys. Names Rainier a princess of Dragonstone, names her heir. Damon gets mad in response, takes Mazaria, goes back to Dragonstone, and this is when we'll probably get the egg stealing thing, right? This is also when presumably Breakbones and Larry Strong become come to court because in canon it happens in 105. It would make sense that they come as replacements for Damon. When Damon leaves, Breakbones and Larry's come, or perhaps that's part of the reason he leaves. Either way, in canon, Harwin becomes a captain in the Gold Cloaks. My guess is in the show, he's going to take Damon's place as commander of the Gold Cloaks rather than just a captain. I think they're going to keep it simpler. Damon's going to leave the Gold Cloaks. Harwin's going to take over, most likely. 
Damon steals an egg, has to give it back, but Mazaria loses her child in while sailing into exile. And that's going to set up her anger and her vindictiveness, which will set up things like blood and cheese and other events. And it might be interesting to see them frame this as like a beginning end of the season thing. If they have Rhaenyra lose her baby Visenya at the end of the season, then that would be like a bookend almost of Mazaria losing her child early in the season and then Rhaenyra losing hers near the end. Not to mention Ama starting at the beginning too, losing Not, hers, I guess, two stillbirths. Good point, good point. And and in this uh, case, of, but the case of Mazaria and in Rhaenyra, they'd both be, Damon would be the father of both, which yeah, would be kind of, well. that's the uh, maybe a stronger connection point. But you're right, Ama as well. I mean, Ama, that's his first cousin. That's Damon's oh. first cousin too. And Rhaenyra's mother. So, you know, relevant to Rhaenyra and, and that. Um, yeah. So it's the following year in canon is when Viserys remarries to Alicent and Damon and Corlys refuse to attend. And apparently the second episode is called The Rogue Prince. Gee, big spoiler there. (laughs) It seems that that's when he goes rogue. Yeah, when he steals, maybe steals the egg or has to have to answer for stealing it or just all that business of them fighting. And then, of course, uh, the next episode is called Second of His Name. This, we would guess, is referring to the birth of Aegon II. Yeah. Which in canon happens in 107 AC, so that's pretty closely in line to the timeline here. Also, Can I just say also a quick, um, we, we're, re- we're referring to the canon date for all of these things, but I want to make sure we are very clear that they could change the year for a lot of events and it really won't matter or have yeah. a lot of significance. And so we're using that as our guideline for like, okay, if Aegon 2 is born in 107, that's around when that's going to happen. Yeah. But, it, Aegon could just be born a slightly different year. It matters what it is, what it is in context to everything else. Yes. And so. also, a lot of these things will still happen in the same relative order. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we move one thing, it moves a lot of these things with it. Not a lot of them. Like, birth dates can change pretty easily a lot of times without affecting too much else. Um, Creek and Stark would have been born around this, this time, too. They, they, sure, they almost yeah. certainly won't mention that. Yeah. He's going to be on <laughs> there up, later. Just, just cut up to Winterfell <laughs> after a birth. <laughs> so, because... Damon is upset about being re- bumped down the chain as heir. And Corlys is upset as well because his wife was already set aside during the Great Council. That's when they team up. And this is probably when you get Corlys's speech about legacy. And this is when, the, as well, when the War for the Stepstones will probably begin. And they team up for that. Episode four is maybe called King of the Narrow Sea, which fits pretty well with all that. Damon gets crowned King of the Stepstones, most likely. And Helena Targaryen is born around that, in, born in the same year. The next episode, so that we would expect that episode, maybe either the third or fourth episode, to have some significant action with Damon fighting Crab, Kragos crab feeder, and maybe there's some ship to ship battle. Maybe Caraxes burns some navies or something. Yeah, that should be, there should be something there, uh, action wise. Then. Yeah, I could see that, you know, they, they might split up a lot of the battle. Like the battle might be going on throughout two and three, you know, and then culminating and yeah. showing him ruling, you know, like when we suggest something for an episode, I think we're thinking that it could be a few episodes around one yeah. of, you know, give or take one or two. Yeah, we're just trying to get kind of close, obviously. Just trying to ballpark here. The next one would be We Light the Way, which is the Hightower words, also very straightforward. However, it's kind of in reverse (laughs) with what we expect to happen because 
this is the time when Otto Hightower is replaced. He's kicked out as hand by Lionel Strong. Viserys gets sick of him hectoring him about changing the succession and kicks him out. Lionel Strong takes over, which makes the Strongs particularly strong in this era because we've got Lionel Strong, we got Harwin Strong, and we got Larry Strong. So we got two guys on the council, one hand, one Master Whispers, and although actually I'm not sure that Laris is Master Whispers at this point. But again, the show could go their own way. Maybe he will be. Uh, either way, he's he's in at court at this point, as we already pointed out. So that's a pretty big deal. And Amond is, bo- is born the following year in 110. This is another one they could move around a little bit to change Amond's age if they want to. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty straightforward. So... Tri- the Triarchy sends a fleet to unseat Damon in canon in 110. They try to, like, push him back out. This is Rakalio Rindun, who I really wonder if they're going to cast him or save him for later. That might be a thing with Beric Dondarrion, where there's just a guy that you see from a distance and, like, that's <laughs> him. But then they don't really cast him until later when he starts to have dialogue. Cause, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, it could be one of those things where you just kind of see him from a yeah, distance. Sometimes it just, it just, you know, it just makes sense logistically from behind the scenes, everyone, for them not to cast a huge character when you're going to see them for one line. Yeah, they may just not bring something. him into it. They may just have him yeah. be appointed admiral later. You know, just not bother yeah. with him for now. Uh, that might even be easier. Uh, then there's okay. So this is the uh, an important transition point. This is apparently. Lainor and Rainier's wedding is this episode. The We Light the Way, episode five, um, right before we get our time jump after their wedding. Right. Because we and know that it's Millie Alcock and young Lainor. You know, we know that it's... Um, the yeah, the trailer thing. makes it clear that that wedding is when they're the younger versions of the actors. So what's important here as well is apparently the next episode is when the time jump happens, when the actors are swapped out for the older versions. Yeah. Those who are doing that, obviously. Yeah. So a lot of them are, it's the same person. Yeah. Um, like, and there'll like be Damon some that'll be aged up throughout. Like, for example, Lena Valarian will have multiple actresses who will be aged up, not just at that point. We'll get a young child Lena in episode two, and then mm. she'll be aged up to young adult Lena to adult. Like, so she'll get three actresses is the, the report. Um, so th- it's a, a few exceptions. Whereas like Matt Smith, we haven't heard any Anything about young Damon, about there yeah. being a younger version of Damon. So. But there is apparently a younger version of Mizaria, which really throws I, us off. I like I, it, it, that was reported by Redanian Intelligence, and they've been really good. So I want to believe yeah. it. But like, honestly, the actress just doesn't look at all like Sonoya Mizuno. She's different, right? Ra- like she's different uh, race. You know, like one's Japanese, the other one's Korean, which they just. I don't know. I'm still skeptical, despite Redanian being so reliable. It, just it would have to be a flashback, right? Yeah, because I, we see her with the egg, like in that scene, yeah, and it's, it's, it's older, Sonoya Mizuno. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. So I'm thrown by the idea of a younger Mazaria. The, she's cre- the actress um, Rosa Escoda is credited as YM on her spotlight page. So young, young Mazaria, but YM, mm. I don't know. Um, okay, Dragon Demands does say they were wrong. People were wrong. Maybe Redanian wasn't right that time. Oh, yeah, they're, they're very, a they rare miss very for rel- Redanian intelligence. You know, yeah, they can't get them all right. They can't get them all. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear that because I was like, it didn't really, make you right. I didn't, didn't believe it, but like it was weird. Um, and so we can move on from that. So that's good. Um, just one Mazaria. Um, so apparently it's a nice half and half split of the younger actors and the younger character or and the older actors. Uh, yeah. And, the and then obviously the rest frame. of the show will be uh, the older actors. Yeah. And then, but... of course, we'll continue. And that's another g- important thing to say about season one. Season one is going to cover 
the equivalent of 28 years in book canon. And then it's going to be like a few months per season from then on. Yeah. <laughs> that's so weird. Like you'll have 28 years in one season, then you won't even have 28 months in the next season, in season two. And there are apparently going to be five seasons. That's apparently the plan. So four seasons of a few months at a time <laughs> and one season of 28 years. A little bit like the Witcher season one, but without the jumping around. It'll just be linear. It'll be, you have no, you don't necessarily, it's a lot of time jumping, but <laughs> yeah, without the confusion. And I have to say, I wonder, <laughs> and some people have been wondering that as well, that it will be linear going forward, but I wonder if there's a chance that, let's say, the young actors are very popular. Yeah. I wonder if they would be like, yeah, let's do another, let's do a flashback in a future season with young Rhaenyra doing, you know, like, yeah. maybe that is, I have to think that they are like, no, we'll never do that. Like, that could be possible, I feel. Yeah. Um. So, apparently, number six is called Princess and the Queen, another just like yeah. rogue prince it's just one of the titles and, straight yeah, that, from <laughs> it makes sense for that to be when the time jump is for us to like for that to be like we're really setting the stage for like their rift for the Alicent Rainier of rift and they're the most important characters that get aged up yeah right? they're because they're the most prominent actors who switch out for new actresses so i'm sure they'll be shown very prominently they're gonna they're, the, the show is gonna take a little extra effort to make sure you know who they are <laughs> like yeah. this is allison and this is rainier they're just yeah they're gr more grown up now so yeah well you're right we will see a lot of like setting the stage for in that episode yeah. of, of catch I, i'm still wondering like how they'll do like a transition i kind of feel like it would be fun to transition like do a cut from young versions of them to older versions, mm, like, you know, as time passes. Yeah. But they might just start off, beginning of episode six, they're older now. Kind of like how they did that Jon Snow baby thing <laughs> when they had him drift. Like, that was yeah, much more yeah, dramatic yes, yes, aging, but, but, but still. Exactly, like that kind of thing. I think it would be fun to do that kind of um, edit for the, to, to really make it, like, clear to everyone. Yeah. Um, this would be around the time that the tourney of blacks and greens happens in, in canon. So this could be a really good way to just put them on display and make it mm. at the same time they're setting up the stage of the next s several events. They're reestablishing who everyone is um, in their new in their big gowns and outfits and all that mm -hmm. and their f court finery. So this is when Damon returns very dramatically lands his dragon on the tourney grounds and holds his crown up and, and offers it to his brother, the, the crown of the Stepstones, and then they're reconciled, right? But then he's, of course, exiled again very soon after. And the, the histories are, this is when the histories, the, the Fire and Blood does one of its... It could have been this, could have been this, could have been this. <laughs> There's like three different takes. It's Rashomon. <laughs> yeah, it's Rashomon. Uh, the, it's something to do with Rhaenyra, either hooking up with her, trying to hook up with her, or teaching her how to seduce Kristen Cole, all of which are bad, you know, all of which are really bad, bad things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which of those is the worst, but probably no, hooking up with her would be the worst because she would be underage. Okay. Yeah. That's the worst one, but they're all bad. Um, so, although I don't know if she would be underage in the show at this point because they're aging. So, and either way, they're going to have to take a side, though. They're going to have to pick which of these things it is. <laughs> I'm pretty okay. sure this is the scene yeah. that he gets thrown to the ground when he yeah. gets caught for this. This is interesting. Um, from what they've heard, apparently there's only one big tourney all season. We were thinking they might cut it down to just two, but maybe they only do one. Mm -hmm. And that might be in episode one, and the blacks and greens might instead be for sh something in a feast or any other number. Oh, okay. there's, a there's a million times where you could have a party where... yeah. Uh, um, there's there's going to be a lot of weddings and funerals, and well, one funeral, a couple, well, one or two weddings, 
bunch of tournaments. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot there's of a, events. There's a lot of events, so it makes sense. It made sense to me for them to cut it down from already we're like three, four turn. You know, it makes makes sense to cut yeah. it down to something. Plus, like coronation um, and the, the yeah. great council. There's just so many events. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of time for this um, to happen. Yeah. Um, also, this is when. So, yeah, so as I said, the scene in the trailer where Damon is hurled to the ground by the Kingsguard. This is almost certainly it, but maybe not. Uh, a little fun moment here. This is also the year Kermit Tully is born. <laughs> the year one twelve. So a the year after the turning year. of Blacks and Greens. What's that? A banner year. A banner year. That's right. <laughs> the next episode, number seven, is apparently called Driftmark. Uh, this would be around the time. Also, probably not going to be portrayed on the show, but eventually they'll come up. Black Alley Blackwood and the Red Kraken are both born in this year. Mm. In 113. In one in 114 canon, this is when Rhaenyra and Laenor would have been married. But as we just said, that's moved up to episode five. So yeah. they probably tweaked that slightly. Yeah. And there's really no significance to the year they got. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. matter, y'all. It doesn't I'm just really saying, matter. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter until it does matter. Yeah. Some things might matter and we'll come to that one, you know, when we face it. But this yeah. one really, I can't see a world in which it would. Uh, yeah, me neither. Especially because all they got to do is just say that the kids took a little longer to get born or yeah. the kids were slightly older. Yeah, Jacarius would be born the same year. So they did in the canon, Jacarius is born the year they get married and then Lucerius the year after. Of course, it's not... Elaine's <laughs> kids, so maybe they want to draw that out. Like she's d- disappointed that he's not going to sleep with her and father heirs, and so she takes a little longer for her to hook up with Breakbones. Not really sure, but this is also when Jeffrey Lonmouth is killed by Kristen Cole during the melee. He's just angry. Kristen Cole's really mad during the melee, and this is perhaps because either he was rejected by Rainier or because he had to reject her. I tend to favor the latter, but we'll see. Now, and so he's so mad about whichever of those it was. And I think you say you tend to prefer the latter because that's what you think is possible, not necessarily because you think, like, in book canon, that's what it was, to be clear. No, I think it's more likely Kristen Cole was, Grit Rainier approached him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the bo- in book canon. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that's what we'll have, what the show will portray as well. All right. Cool. Uh, um, and so, so Lonmouth, they may wonder if they're going to, display have lawnmouth at all uh, certainly they have break bones hard and strong so they may just skip the lawnmouth part here and just do break bones and but maybe not but some sort of conflict between Kristen cole and harwin strong seems not unlikely uh jacarius and, and lucerius is born the following year so they may keep that together and have jason luke be pretty close in age Rhea royce dies the same year luke is born that's important because Rhea royce's death allows uh or is what causes Damon to abandon the Stepstones and try to claim Runestone, which, you know, he's told to get the hell out by the Lady of the Veil. And this is also, he then pivots to going back to Lord Corlys and hangs out with him for a minute. And that's when he starts to go for Lena. And all in the same year, he insults Lena's betrothed, who is the son of the Sea Lord of Bravos, just relentlessly insults him. Now, Corlys is trying to back out of this wedding because this guy is a real disappointment. He's a real just waste. And he doesn't actually want to marry his daughter to this, this bum of a Sea Lord's son because he's, he's a bum. <laughs> and, uh, and so Damon just insults him repeatedly until they duel and Damon kills him and marries Lena. And Viserys is really mad about that. Because he didn't get any, he didn't get permission for that. So he's like, well, now you got to go into exile again. But Damon and Lena go tour the free cities. They're having a great time. They're getting wined and dined. They have a 
child, two children. They have their twins, Bela and Raina, the following year. And that's when Viserys has this change of heart. He's like, oh, he's a father now. He'll be changed. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> the year after that is when Joffrey is born. Joffrey uh, Velaryon, of course. And then in canon, there's like a three-year gap where pretty much nothing happens until a lot of things happen. <laughs> so, yeah, to to so that has us... In episode seven is when supposedly is the Lena funeral happened. So already everything's moved up, truncated a number of years because we would be at um, the Lena funeral not quite yet if uh, yeah, it was canon. We're guessing another thing that's going to be reduced. Instead of having like three to four tournaments, they're probably going to reduce Damon's exiles from like four to two or yeah. three. To, you know what I mean? They probably won't have like exiled again because yeah. <laughs> you know? he did get exiled, I think, three times. And I think so, yeah. maybe they'll knock that down to two. Yeah. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, or just handle one of them like a half exile and not a full exile. I don't know. So that that's a good candidate to be the law of conservation hmm. of exiles, exilings. <laughs> So that puts us at, in episode seven, um, we would have Lena's funeral that seems pretty set based on various leak stuff, um, which is a good kind of like sign, you know, a, a post for us to um, plan other things based off. Like if we know yeah. that that's that episode, then a lot of things kind of reset our understanding of where things are. Yeah, yeah I was going to pull up um, a picture from the funeral because it's my favorite shot just to um, probably has the most characters in it. Yeah, it has the most characters in it in that Especially shot. characters that we never see in any other yeah. shot. Okay, so here is the funeral for Lena and I'm going to circle everyone that we see. Right so in canon this would be the year 120, the year yeah, of the Red Spring. This would be 120. But, but the, so much happens in the year of the Red Spring, it's probably the opposite of the conservation yeah. of where they have to spread this out because there's yeah. so many things. Yeah, the law of, uh, of yes, spreading <laughs> out. So anyway, so this is Lena's funeral um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle the people. Um, so here we, we see Rhaenyra is right here. We see, this is we see Jaceris and Lucerys, you know, Jaceris and Lucerys and Joffrey would be too tiny to be seen easily. But those three, we see two little brunette boys. So there's the strong boys. So we know that they're that old at that point, old enough to stand that tall. Um, notable. Right here we see Lainor. Um, over here we see, um, starting over here, a ba little Bela and Reyna at the, about that age, that tall. Standing next to them is Rhaenys in like a black cowl, um, Coralise Velaryon. Apparently, people are saying that this might be Harwin Strong and Brunette. I don't really know why he'd be standing way over by Coralise, but either way, um, if that's Harwin, that would be notable. Um, Harold Westerling, right here. We've got Aemond, young Aemond Targaryen, and this is notable because he's gonna claim Vagar, which is um, Lena's dragon. So right. for him being, you know, notable. Um, over here, this is almost certainly, this will be Helena, our first shot of Helena, next to her father, Viserys, in the crown. Then we've got Otto Hightower, Alicent Hightower, Kristen Cole, and this is probably Aegon II. It's hard to, I don't think that's Damon. I, I don't think he would be, I, I think that's Aegon II, but that's the only one I'm like, I guess. Hmm. Um, so we see a lot of people in this shot, the first time we've seen some of them, um, and uh, I, I just I wanted to kind of root ourselves in that, um, and that would be episode seven. Yeah, so it could be 
some of the events that are grouped together in canon might spill over into episode eight, which apparently is called Lord of the Tides. Makes a lot of sense because this may also be the episode where they show Corley's falling ill. And canon that happens in 126, but the year of the Red Spring is the year 120. So they could just move that around a little yeah. bit or maybe they, maybe they just jump forward a little bit afterwards. Anyway... Here's all the things that happened in the year of the Red Spring, in case you forgot. <laughs> yes, Lane is funeral. Then Lainor dies shortly afterwards. And we're going to have to, the show's going to have to weigh in on whether that was Damon, whether that was someone else who did that. Uh, so, of course, at the funeral, in the event, at Driftmark is when, as Ashe just said, Aemon tames Vagar. Like, shortly after. And so that's his part, partly why it causes some anger. Like, that was our dragon. That was our dragon. That was our power. That was our... And you did this right after the funeral, and that's when Aemon loses his eye. They attack him, and it becomes that whole thing. So, that's a big deal, obviously, and you can see why these things are all grouped together. So, those events will probably be kept together, even if they get moved as a group. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They still... That's what we're talking about. Within context to other things happening, it has to make sense. It doesn't matter the, the number exactly, just context one thing that does happen in the same year that maybe doesn't have to happen in the same year in the show is that Aegon the younger is born this year mm. so if rainier is pregnant during this funeral which doesn't look like she is we can't really tell uh, it's kind of hard to tell right yeah she would be pregnant with uh i'm sorry not rainier yeah, no, yeah, i mean no. allison sorry yeah, allison yeah. <laughs> allison will be pregnant with no this is yeah. i'm sorry i had it right the first yeah. time rainier pregnant with Aegon the eventual Aegon the third yeah she would but, be he would be born in this year he's oh, born right, in the year yeah. of the red spring so okay. They may change when she's pregnant for that. Yeah, because Lainor's still there in that funeral shot, so yeah. he's still alive, and uh, Rainier is not married to Damon yet. So. Right, so that would that would fit. So I'm guessing that's what's going to happen, and you can't really tell whether she's pregnant if I remember my, the, the image is correct. Then um, two more years later, Viserys would be born, the, the future Viserys II, the hand to Aegon III. Uh, and 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 King briefly, you know, before his awful son Aegon the Fourth, the unworthy, takes over. So when Corlys falls ill, this is probably when Vaymond, who there is one, that's one confirmed change. Vaymond Valarian is going to be Corlys's brother instead of his cousin. So it's a pretty yeah. small change. Yeah, makes Just their difference. connection closer, yeah. and it's going to make it a little tighter that he's going to try to take Corlys's spot. You know, it's going to make the, the his claim is going to be a little stronger. Yeah, I his claim's stronger. So then he starts talking smack about the little Valarian strong boys, like, yeah. hey. They don't deserve this. They're brown-haired. Uh, like, how yeah. the hell is that possible? So he talks smack <laughs> about them, and then Damon and Rhaenyra execute him, and Corlys is not very pleased about that, and it makes more even more sense why he would be less pleased yeah. about it. So that's going to be an important visual. Not only are they going to all have brown hair, but none of them are going to be black. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it really, it's going to really drive the point home more than just their hair color, is that they won't have, yeah, they're not right. just the hair color, but the way the hair yeah, it's looks. Like, technically, they could look like how they look. Even if they like, if they were related to Lainor, but it's really unlikely. Yeah, so <laughs> just, it's just as it's unlikely just, as it would be for them to have brown hair when both parents have silver hair. It makes it more blatant, right? Yeah. It makes the whole the visual of them like that. Are you sure that's their father? You know, it makes it one kid. Okay, two kids, eh, yeah, three. three kids. Like, what the hell's going on here? Right. So I think that, and they may even build it that way. Show one child, the second child, and so people react to it. I mean, that, that that's entirely possible. Mm-hmm. So Vayman falling ill is what sets some of this I mean, up. Corlys. I'm sorry, yeah. Corlys falling ill sets this up somewhat. But if you remember your canon, Corlys recovers. 
But shortly after as well, Viserys' health begins to deteriorate. They may align these two things that Corlys and Viserys' health are kind of declining at the same time. Yeah, which... I wonder how much the, like, how early we'll start to see Viserys' health. Like, they, they make it seem like that's a big plot point because Patty yeah. Considine has said that, like, his Viserys is sick and it's a tragic thing and... I, I wonder it if it'll, his decisions. Yeah, I wonder and, if it'll happen earlier or not. You know, than when he actually gets sick. They mention that he, yeah, he mentions that he's concerned with his own legacy. That, that he becomes concerned with his legacy somewhat. Uh, maybe yeah. he was less concerned with it, but he does have an ego, and maybe certain people knew to stoke that in him, mm-hmm. and that he had that. That was a part of his personality, and they knew how to manipulate that. Especially Otto Hightower, who. According to him, he's a little more like Littlefinger than Tywin, which is a little bit of a surprise, but very cool because, man, you can do a lot with a really cunning, sneaky character like that, especially in a position of hand, which is higher up than, than Littlefinger. Uh, and, of course, with a much higher birth, Littlefinger's got that chip on his shoulder, <laughs> whereas Otto's in a different situation. So, yeah, but in, in, in 127, Viserys' health begins to deteriorate. In 128, it gets even worse. He has, like, a resurgence, and he's good for a little while, then it gets a lot worse. That's when he loses some fingers. This is also the year that Rickon Stark is born, by the way. Cregan Stark's firstborn. <laughs> and, uh, but then we get to the, the year 129, which we're guessing is episode 9. The Green Council is what it's probably called. This is when Viserys dies. There's a lot that could happen in this episode. A lot of action, we're guessing. Not necessarily the kind of action where there's swords clashing and people fighting, but just a lot of decisions and people reacting quickly as events are turning. They're trying to get the throne as quickly as possible, do all the different things they need to do to put the right people in place, make sure no one sneaks off, make sure no one turns on them, probably see Kristen Cole go after Beesbury, things like that. But you'll also probably see Rhaenyra lose her child. That maybe won't happen until the next episode, but it'll be certainly in this one or the next one. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably get the coronation of Aegon in this one as well. You might get the coronation of Rainier at the same time, but yeah, that's probably the next episode. It, but, yeah. They may do those together, like the double coronation. But the reason that Rainier's coronation might happen in the next one is, well, they just might choose to do that, but also because it's called the Black Queen. And maybe that's an indication of when she gets crowned. But I'm I'm going to lean towards her being crowned in episode nine. I'm going to lean towards those things happening simultaneously. They love to do that mirroring of the tool, yeah, tool like, crowning. You know, I think that's... Like by episode 10, she is the queen. The black yeah, queen. now this is her so making decisions as yeah. queen reacting to what's happening. We'll probably get Arax and Vagar's fight in yeah. this one. Yeah, we We've do been... know that the Baratheon daughters were cast. Yeah, so that's like a guarantee that this is going to happen. Okay, so my here's where we wonder if this is one of the if this is like the last scene or if the actual last scene will be blood and cheese or or the reaction to blood and cheese i'm leaning towards yes because of the way it bookends the this, this series with dead sadly dead yeah. children beginning and end and the revenge of someone like mizari i'm leaning towards i think blood and cheese cheese would be the first episode of the season. first thing the they do which two. totally that, makes so sense we'll, to we'll me just as choose, well we'll just we'll each say different you know opinions and we'll see which one of us is right <laughs> my thinking the first episode of two one if it's not this it'll be the battle of rook's rest or eric arc the mm-hmm. infiltration by one of the twins and those have been ca- they've been cast already so that might happen in episode 10 because then they just won't have to be they'll be done and then they'll be out of the show otherwise they get brought back for one episode (laughs) you know which they might do because they're minor characters but still is an argument for that being episode 10 yeah and then i think 
loosely after that, episode two, season two is probably going to be the Dragon Seeds. After yeah, maybe they'll probably want to set up Dragon Seeds early. Yeah, so our cast for the rest of the season, which probably puts the Battle of the Gullet in roughly episode three of season two. But so. I, I, and I'm done speculating from that <laughs> point on. I guess that's far enough. It's three episodes into season two. Um. So, um, so yeah, that's our general look at the timeline and how it could line up and what things could get moved forward or back and, and all that. But we want to talk a little bit about, like, the character outlook, yeah. I think, as well. That's, um, that's definitely what we have here next. So I wanted to ask you all to weigh in here in the live stream. Send us an email, westrushhistory at gmail.com. Go to our Discord or Facebook and, and weigh in there. What are you most looking forward to? Are there certain events you're most looking forward to being portrayed on screen? Are you looking forward to certain characters? Are you looking forward to being surprised by how certain characters behave? Are you looking forward to the music? I certainly am. Oh, man, am I looking forward to the music? I can't wait. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And one, actually, one other thing about one other speculation I want to throw out there: George R. R. Martin has seen nine of the episodes. Him and yeah. his assistants seen yeah. nine of the episodes without music, without music and, or CGI, and or and yeah, and or no, very or li- CGI. limited CGI. Yeah. What that um, says to me is one of the episodes is very heavily CGI'd, yeah. and they haven't gotten to see that one yet because it's just so much of it is there's not much point. In that's either to me that's either going to be number not number ten, the last episode where they have Arax and Vagar fighting, which is a yeah. great candidate for that, or. It's Damon in the Stepstones, where there, there could be uh, a ship-to-ship battle. That would be some serious CGI dragons, yeah. a dragon fighting yeah. ships. My two best guesses for that. Mm-hmm. And as to why George hasn't seen it. So, anyway. All right, yeah, let's talk about some character nuance. We'll start with, we'll just go through them one by one, mostly just these major characters. And then when we yeah. come back, we can circle back around to this in a couple of weeks when we do another one of these. Yeah, we'll have a lot more insight after, yeah. you know, this week of news, Comic-Con, the trailer, more interviews. There'll be a lot of new stuff coming in the next couple of weeks. Some of y'all know, if you've listened to the show for long enough, you, you can tell. I always talk kind of quickly, <laughs> but you can kind of tell I get even quicker <laughs> when I'm excited <laughs> and even slightly more quicker quick when i'm when i mix excitement with coffee which eh, frankly i'm mostly <laughs> gonna have coffee anyway that's kind of just taken for granted but i do have all of those things going right now <laughs> all of them so yeah rainiera we did get i think a really good insight into her character and who she is as a person i think one really telling thing is that in the ew article how they say that millie alcock that's young rainiera auditioned with Arya scenes and i'm curious i, I have to wonder they, they never say what emma darcy auditioned with but i wonder if they auditioned with like daenerys scenes yeah or or what that you know I, I think that's interesting we'll talk more about what they auditioned with but um i think that speaks a lot to um, young Rhaenyra, uh, Millie Alcock and Emma, that they said that um, Rhaenyra has an understanding of history and famous dragon riders, especially female dragon riders. So I think we'll get a cool scene with Rhaenyra talking about history. Yeah. What it sounds like. It does. And it also sounds like an understanding of history would mean she would understand some of the some of that lens of chauvinism. She would see. She would have seen that her, Rhaenys was set aside for 
for Viserys uh, or for, yeah, for the different lines. Like, you see that these decisions and how the women were consistently set aside. So she's got some understanding of how this world works. And that leads to the next point, which is she sees herself objectified because she's really beautiful. At, but it's she's in conflict with that because she's, as a ruler... In a patriarchal society, she sees herself as needing to be masculine, to exert these masculine qualities that a patriarchal society is used to seeing that they can trust in subconsciously. She, so she seeks to emulate the qualities of a masculine ruler, which puts her at odds of being this objectified realm's delight, the most beautiful woman in the realm. And these two things are a little hard to put together. That's she doesn't have a whole lot of historical precedent for that, you know? So that's really... Interesting. Like, that's a lot of gravitas for a character just right out the bat yeah. there. And then we also had, we, we also, um, there's a really interesting quote that Emma Darcy said. They said, Rhaenyra has a real history of abandonment. It's something that keeps happening. And she's also very much culpable in that abandonment. She really presses relationships often to the point where they cannot continue. And then she fulfills the prophecy again, which uh, I think is probably like really relatable to some people as well. The idea of like, really pushing and pushing and not knowing your limit, you know, and just kind of like pushing too hard on something and it blows up in your face. Yeah. Like she's a little too impassioned. Testing perhaps. a relationship so much that it breaks. Like yeah. you, you have this, you don't have the, the confidence or trust in the other person. Mm -hmm. So you keep pushing them to prove themselves, but you push too hard and then they, they lose trust in you. It's, it's, it's a, this, it's this a very type young of statement thing to do as well. Yeah. It's also associated with borderline personality disorder. Yeah, that's true. You're right. And I have seen multiple people with BPD who've been like, I can really relate to that. Yeah. And um, that's exactly what I was talking about when I started this episode. We started talking about how there's a lot of relatable, like modern relatable things, things that histories have omitted through all time, but have always been real. Like, history has omitted all sorts of gay relationships, people's feelings, like, stuff that maybe you're personally not interested in, but a lot of us are. It makes it more relatable, and it's real. It's yeah. damn real, whether it's you're used to it or not. It's absolutely real. So, like, none of this reads as modern in terms of people's experiences. It might be modern that we're talking about it more openly yeah. that's the only modern part it's not modern that it's real it's not modern that it exists it's just modern the way we talk about it you know? so connects to one of the most important people in Rhaenyra's life and story is Alicent Hightower and this is going to be one of the most controversial I think yeah this um, is an important change it's an important change in the books there's a nine year gap you know when Alicent is 18 Rhaenyra's a nine year old girl they're not friends like that it's too hard yeah, what yeah that's of, yeah. not like who's, who's, who's going to who's, who's be friends in that spot yeah, yeah exactly so but in this this version they've made them to be just about the same age they are childhood best friends like they are not just like oh we're friends we're the same age we are their best friends um, and I, I really like some of the descriptions of like the difference in their dynamic where um I, where um, Olivia Cook said she's quite an anxious rule follower Alicent is in comparison to how free and mischievous Rhaenyra is and I kind of see this like dynamic where um older Alicent Olivia Cook said that she auditioned with Cersei lines I wouldn't be shocked if Emily Carey auditioned with Sansa lines to <laughs> Millie Alcock's Arya lines yeah. is what it sounds like mm -hmm. is it's an, a Sansa Arya type dynamic um and we we get some more really interesting quotes about Alicent where they say that with virtually no life outside of King's Landing she forms a fast and immediate bond with Rhaenyra quote hermetically sealed in this kingdom and then Emily Carey said 
friendship is such a wild, intense journey. You feel so much at that age for your friends. That was definitely something that we played around with. And I, I really think that's a, I'm really excited to see their dynamic. I personally can relate to the passions of like a teenage girl best friendship. Like that is a, like you do feel so much for your friends at that age in particular and as mm-hmm. women. Um, so I think showing this like, heartbreak that they're going to go through in terms of having this rift like this it's going to have it's going to heart i think it's going to break the hearts of a lot of fans to see allison and rainiera fight like i think we're really going to love their dynamic and be sad to see them and there's a lot of people who haven't read fire and blood that won't see it coming well they will only see slightly see it coming like they won't know it's coming before the even show even starts like we do (laughs) i've I've been trying to spread a little disinformation by being like allison and rainiera is the ship and all these people have no damn sense of humor they're just like read the books i'm like yo look at my profile it's my job i've read the books i'm just trying to have fun with it and totally like emily Carrie was like, we played a, an undertone of sapphic drama in it. And I'm like, yeah, let's have fun with it, man. But no, of course, people are just like, that's like pedophilia because they're not. I'm like, look at them. They're the same age. The same age. I'm like, you're going to have a lot of problems if you have a problem with Allison and Rhaenyra because we're about to get Damon and Rhaenyra, which <laughs> yeah, is very on, problematic. Yeah. And then we're going to get Aegon and Helena with some incest. So I'm like, y'all, you need a chill out yeah let's put things in perspective here <laughs> and i do think that's an excellent change although i laugh at myself when i say that because i'm like the whole point of making allison and rainiera close is so they can shred our hearts about it when they yes. apart. <laughs> it's like it's like good job hbo you're gonna make us really sad all right i'm looking forward to that it's kind of <laughs> ironic when you think about it that way but no i really am i mean sarcasm yeah. aside i do think that's a very smart change yeah and i think you know allison has been so often portrayed as like a schemer type and you know they, they go into that a lot in the interview but i think What's notable to me is that, like, she talks about how she's an anxious rule follower and, like, her family's important to her. So I, I feel that, you know, she's not going to be into the idea of marrying Viserys, but she's going to feel like she's has to. Otto's going to push her anyway. And, yeah. and Rainier is neither, I think probably Rainier won't understand the decision. It might feel threatened even mm-hmm. then. Um, and that might be the rift, but it's possible that the rift doesn't happen until Alicent has a son and Rainier is like, yo, this, it's not bad. good for me, yeah. actually. <laughs> and then, like, things get, you know, I, I could see it happening, basically. I could see their rift happening at the marriage. But I could also see mm. it taking a little bit more time. Like, we might get a little bit of sweet spot where Rhaenyra isn't just immediately jealous. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. You know, I, I get the impression that they're going to make Allison a little naive. That's what that means. Like, hermetically sealed. Like, yeah. Na- that sounds yeah. naive to me, which is yeah, Sansa-like. It's a, it's a Sansa, yeah. Which I, means she might know. grow into, but of course it's going to grow. It's not going to, she's not going to grow like Sansa. Yeah. Not in the same ways, because it's way more tragic, and she's going to turn somewhat villainous, unlike Sansa. So, um... And so will Rainier, <laughs> probably. Well, that part we're not as sure about. Whether we, whether we, whether we sympathize or think of them as villains or a lot of both, that's the part where it's really hard to tell because the portrayals are going to really change. And again, when Fire and Blood gives you three to four versions of every event, it's really hard to. Well, what if like one of these example? What if what if like Mushroom is consistently wrong? <laughs> if it turns out I, he probably isn't, but. Septon Eustace could be consistently wrong about certain types of things, or Mushroom likes to exaggerate. Who knows? But uh, I can't wait to see how they weigh in on some of these things. But yeah, I agree with you that Otto, I think, is the one pushing Allison into a lot of these things. He's the way 
Reese Ifans has described his own character, or let's start with how he describes House Hightower. He says, I'd say they are traditional, academically educated in a way that the other houses probably aren't. Conservative. Good to have on your side because of their knowledge and their wealth and their power. And then... Uh, <laughs> Olivia Cook said, incredibly patriotic yeah. as well. I said, yeah, exactly. So that's that's really interesting. So, And that makes sense. The Hightowers have always, for the most part played it cautious. They're powerful, but they don't make they don't take big risks. And in this era, maybe a little differently. But he's afraid of Damon getting power, and you can kind of understand why. Uh, he... It wasn't that long ago that Magor the Cruel was around. And in fact, King Jaehaerys, who Otto is hand for, that's his uncle. Magor is, is Jaehaerys' uncle. He had to take his and claim Ma- back from him. Note that Magor the Cruel, one of his black brides, was a high tower. Was yeah. Cerise high tower. So the high towers will definitely care a little bit about mad Targaryen. It's very personal, and I think that's something that's lost in the shuffle. When Otto says we're worried about him being another Damon, or worried about Damon being another Magor, there's a lot that Damon does like Magor, <laughs> a lot. And and like you said, there's re- they were burned by a similar situation. <laughs> Uh, so I'm working on a Magor versus Damon parallel thing because there's so <laughs> many. It's, it doesn't fit neatly into parallel. Well, it does fit neatly into parallel lives, but there's just so much more <laughs> to it than that. Um, but yeah, they um uh, they compare little they compare Otto to Littlefinger, which is interesting and it makes sense to me because like he's pushing his young daughter to be with this old man Viserys, yeah. you know. I now have the theory. After hearing that, I'm thinking he's going to be part of the wedge between Rainier and Allison. He's going to push their, he's, he's going to help their relationship yeah. split. If it doesn't start fraying on its own, he's going to create, he's going to either create the fraying or increase the fraying. Cause he, he, he's going to recognize that their friendship is a, is a impediment to this goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that her course, sentimentality might interfere with their his ruthlessness. Yeah, like if he, if it wasn't already his goal to have you know Allison have the heir to the throne and then be and be the queen and all that, he would have already been threatened by the idea of Rhaenyra marrying Damon. This yes, know? definitely. So like he has you know double whammy of feeling of being like eh, I don't know about having her on the throne, but having him too. Yeah. yeah. Now the sh- book kind of leans towards suggesting Larry Strong may have been the one to burn, start the fire at Harrenhal, so that he once in one fell swoop becomes lord, and his brother and father are killed when he was so far down the line of succession. So you could see that Otto. And yep, La- exactly. Work with I'm going to guess Otto does it because he's the one who becomes hand as soon as Har- as soon as uh, Har- mm. Harwin is killed. Not Harwin. I mean, he uh, might do it Lionel. in conjunction with him too. Yeah, they could do it together. together. That's a great idea. That, you know, That's a great you, you need idea. someone for him to talk to about the plan as well. Yeah, yeah, um, they could. They could. Yeah, it might take them both operating in concert. Yeah, they would both yeah. win from that. I like that. Call it, book it. That's yeah. our theory right there. Otto and Larry Strong work together to burn Heron Hall. So he gets his job. One becomes Lord. One gets his job back. They both win. Yeah, that's and then they continue to work together after that yeah. too. So um, anyway, but yeah, and then so Viserys. We also got a good insight into his personality. Yeah, he um, wants to please people. Yeah, he sounds a lot like Titus to he me. He does. Like Tidos he really Lannister, does. Tywin's father. Um, and, and you know, he said the quote: "He just wants to please people and keep the peace. He wants a legacy. He wants to be liked. Yeah, you know." And he, like Titus, he's really passive until he's not, and then he's really angry, and then he, then you never know. Like when you get a, then he remembers how powerful he is, and he's the king, and that's when he just does things like exiles his brother, and like he probably like most days his brother can get away with a lot of things, but then 
you push him over that edge and he remembers he's the king, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and just like Titus could occasionally remember he was Lord of Castle Rock and he would occasionally stand up to Tywin or, you know, reverse one of Tywin's decisions. But mostly he would just sit back and you hmm. know ignore it. So I think we're going to get not only we're going to be sympathetic to him, according to all reports, not just because of his personality and him trying to please people and trying to be a, a Good person who's a bad king is the line they used. Something we've kind of all heard before. But this his declining health will add another level of of our sympathy for him. Yeah, I think he's got he'll feel the declining health. He'll have lost his wife. You know, I think that they'll maybe you know play up the loss of Emma as maybe a greater tragedy than we think of it as. Yeah. Um, like maybe he'll really be like feeling despondent and sad. You know, in the interim between her death and then marrying Allison, I kind of feel like he's just kind of. I, I don't know. I'm really curious about the relationship between Allison and Viserys. I can't see him feeling like passion. I, I just, I don't see him as like that sexual of a being. Yeah. Like it's hard for me to imagine him being. Yeah, he doesn't seem horny. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't seem horny. <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't. So like, I, I, that'd be weird. And like, it, um, you know, for sure, the, it, you know, it's a skeezy thing. Like he's an old man. He's an old guy. And he's with like an 18 year old girl. So like, yeah, it's pretty clear that uh, Otto's probably going to also push. He's clearly created that situation too. He's like, wants them to be close and he wants them to get close together. He, he set that up. He's like, I'm going to make her, she can take care of you. And he knows they're going to grow close together and there'll be an attraction and all that. That was, it's, it seems like more auto machination, you're, but but you but still, Viserys has the wherewithal to make these decisions himself, but he doesn't because he's wants to please people and he yeah. thinks he's p- giving Allison what she wants because this is how she was taught and all that. Yeah, so you're right. There's gonna be so many tragedies, so much loss he's gonna see, and so much back and forth. There's gonna be moments where it seems really things are going really well and they backslide, and I think that's mm-hmm. what we're gonna see a lot of. Yeah. Now, while Damon seems like one of perhaps less dynamic of a personality and more of like the guy who drives a lot of the action. There were a few comments here that makes me think there's going to be more nuance to him. It's a little hard to add nuance to such an aggressive character, but it sounds like he's, they're going to do a little of that. One comment from, uh, Matt Smith, I wanted to call him Matt Damon. Yeah, Matt Damon. <laughs> he's Damon. always, he said, he's always flipping sides in many ways, aligning himself with his brother or his own interests. But I don't think it's about an ambition to the throne and all that. I think a lot of it is about his brother. That's really interesting. Yeah. We, we thought it was entirely about the throne. Yeah. Like, we thought it was about power and, or maybe it's just, this makes it sound like he, he hates being second fiddle to his brother. Uh, he, he needs like to be very, as powerful yeah, as his brother. He's like a very jealous person. Yeah. He just needs to be as powerful as if his brother was a commoner, he'd be as long as he was the same level as him, that would be fine. He just doesn't yeah. want to be outshined. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah, as long as he's not above me, it doesn't matter like. where we are. But which also which makes you wonder, like, well, when Viserys dies, then you know, what motivates him then? Probably still like he's like, I want to get at auto and all yeah. the, you know, like I'm sure other things will have pissed him off enough to want it. In addition to he's not, I, I, it's not like they're saying he's anti-power. He doesn't not want to be the king. I don't, you know, like I think maybe Matt meant to say it's not all about ambition. Yeah, it's not all about ambition. I don't. I think there has to be some level of, of yeah. ambition. He's clearly motivated. He's clearly like a you know wants to do things. He's maybe he's just motivated by violence, but 
He also refers to Caraxes as a very grumpy, tough, surly sort, which yeah. I kind of like that. He's, I mean, it sounds like sounds like a stranger, Sandor's dog, Sandor's uh, horse that didn't like anyone else but him and <laughs> would bite people who got close. I was like, so that's exactly what Caraxes yeah, that, sounds yeah, that like. Except makes you way seem bigger. Like, we'll see Caraxes around other people just to see just his to personality. See that. Yes. Have to see that. Great point. Yeah, we have to in order for us to see that. You're right. We need we need that. Maybe dragon keepers or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Rainies apparently very politically savvy, which makes sense, yeah. and that makes her more tragic because she can very much understand how she's being screwed. Yeah, she's like, I <laughs> deserve this on every level. Yeah, I am skilled enough. I, 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 she has the brain for it. Literally yet they everything just... except for the dick. Like, that's yeah. all she's missing. And I like this quote from Eve Best. She said, "Such finesse, calm, and effortless grace." Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, she says Rainies' relationship with Rhaenyra is very complicated. There's an element of mental. There's also an element of other things that go along with that, potentially friendship or sympathy. At the same time, there's all kinds of other much darker things, especially at the beginning. I think Rainey's feels that Rainier needs some taking down a peg or two. That's yeah. super <laughs> interesting, the idea. It makes sense to me that Rainier, that Rainey's wouldn't just be like this amazing woman. She might have some bitterness and resentment. Bitterness makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, like she's, I like the idea that she's not like a perfect person. That she qu- has flaws. That quote we saw on screen where she says they'd burn this whole thing down before letting a woman ascend the iron throne is sounds like this taking a peg taking her down a peg or two it sounds yeah. like what she's saying is rainier is like i'm gonna be queen you know blah 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 she's like, like, like don't, don't be so sure about will. that yeah. <laughs> yeah it might not be something like a callus taking her down a peg or two she's not like being super mean to her she's just like you're naive yeah and your naive naivete is is causing you to be too proud to yeah this other stuff yeah, yeah. and maybe he's a little bit of jealousy because she also might be thinking maybe she will ascend and then she'd be just like, you, like you got oh, it and yeah, I didn't. You got, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think there yeah. would be some jealousy. So that, that'll be an interesting <laughs> dynamic for sure. And I think there will be some too because she's also like, they're trying to get their daughter, Lena. Like that's Lena is her daughter who they're like thinking might be the future queen. Yeah. If she marries Viserys. So I shall, I think she'll have extra bitterness and resentment. Like it's not working out for her on yeah. multiple fronts. Just as an aside, I got the feeling from these short interviews that Eve Best, like most, took her character the most personally. The way she was talking about it. Yeah, she was like, she's talking about, oh, Maylis and I are, we're like, they're like one person, you know? Yeah. She really was talking about her dragon very lovingly. More method actor than maybe some of the others. (laughs) She really became Rainies. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Like really getting it method acting with an animatronic dragon? (laughs) It's like, oh, you lump of moving machinery. So next up is Corlys. So this is a, this is also interesting. There's a few surprises here. He auditioned with Tywin lines, which is like super Ooh. interesting. Yeah. So he's more power hungry than we thought, and and that is compared compared to Tywin. Now he's a little different in Tywin that Tywin is personally cautious. You wouldn't see Tywin going out and exploring, right? Tywin stands is in the back of the battlefield. He's not a, he's not a personal risk taker. He's a political risk taker. Tywin is. But not he doesn't he doesn't risk as much personal harm to himself, which is Corley seems to be more of both. You know, he he may be less uh, arrogant and cruel than Tywin, but there is a lot in common here. You see that they're richer than the High Towers at this point, probably about the same wealth level as the Lannisters, and he likes people to see that he's rich. Yeah, absolutely a Tywin thing. Yeah, Tywin's makes a big deal about show how powerful we are through our wealth. Yeah, that's a quote from 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 Steve Jusan. He said he likes people to see that he's rich. Yeah, he also said no one wants to mess with him because yeah. he's he's so established. He's he because he is because he is all these things. He's just he's got you know Targaryen connections through his Valarian blood. He's the Lord of the Tides. He's got the most powerful navy. He's got a family of dragon riders around him, and he's the one of the richest men. So yeah, no one wants to mess with him, and he knows it. <laughs> 
And remember from that trailer, he's the one that said, what is this brief mortal life? If not the pursuit of legacy, that's him. So that really makes sense. Like Otto, it sounds like he's a family man, but very paternalistic. The type that knows what's best for his family, which isn't going to be true a good portion of the time. It probably will be true some of the time. He can't be wrong 100% of the time about yeah. what is best for his family, but he's definitely going to be wrong a lot of the time, and he's going to think he's right all the time. That's going to be really interesting to see what stance he takes for the strong Valarian boys. Yes. Mm-hmm. That plays. I, I feel like he'll be conflicted and probably come across a couple different ways throughout, like, as things make him convinced that, okay, they're bastards or not. Like, he might start off, like, being very loving and caring, and he might get more distant and all that over time it's a tough call because he wants he needs people if for people to believe their valarian suits his house's needs yeah but if everyone just doesn't accept it then he's better off not accepting it too (laughs) you know so yeah it does kind of put him in an awkward position next up harold westerling described as a paragon of chivalry and honor harold now essentially serves as the royal escort and bodyguard to viserys's daughter princess rhaenyra targaryen she kind of becomes his like a Lord Commander basically gets assigned to him. To her, yeah, to her, 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 yeah so, and that's Graham McTavish from Outlander and all of that. Yeah. Um, so that, that's not a big description of him. So we'll have to kind of more hold off on more. Yeah, I think it him. kind of just shows that he's like kind of the cock block uh, in her he situation. Like she's going to be trying to be like, oh, Kristen, you're so cute or something like that. And Harold Westerling's going to be like, like <laughs> yeah. I th- you know, I, I think he'll Back be involved off, in that. Yeah. Um, which brings us to Kristen Cole, where there's more to say. Yeah. Some theories on how that could go. So the the character description from the press release um, says Kristen Cole, Sir Kristen Cole of Dornish Descent, which is a change, the common-born son of the steward of to the Lord of Blackhaven, Blackhaven, that's House Dondarrion, uh, which is a Stormlands house. So he would be mixed or something. Yeah, like so he'd that. be half Stormlander, half Dornish, Dornish which um, is a a big deal because those are traditional enemies. Yes, and they're not part of the realm yet. Dorn is not part of the realm, so there's that. There would be even more racism potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says Cole has no claim to lands or titles. All he has to his name is his honor and his preternatural skill with a sword. And so I'm guessing that Cole is going to be even less likely to be, say yes to Rainier, even if he's into Rainier. He's going to feel like he, like he has all this pressure on him as a Dornishman to not be like a lustful person who yep. betray. Like I feel like he has a lot of pressure on him. That's why I feel like it'll be Rainier, especially because we have that note of Damon teaching her to seduce him. Yeah. Like, where did that come from otherwise? Like, that just is out of nowhere otherwise, you know? And also, here's a great point from Nina. She she described how the era really gives us a lot of context here, which is Ryan Redwine, who's pe- featured in that story, he he had been hand, he took over hand after Septon Barth died, but he was he was Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. But he was so bad at it, they just took him out of that role and put him back to just Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. And then he died a little after that. Balon Targaryen took over his hand. Balon dies, which sets up this great council in the first place. So, Ryan Redwine is the one who outed Lucamore the Lusty and sent him to the wall after gelding him because he had all these kids while being a Kingsguard. So you have this perfect knight, the most famous knight in the realm, perhaps the most famous knight since the Iron Throne was made. Ryan Redwine was like the Barrison of the Bold of his day without the Civil War to create a little controversy around him. The only controversy around Redwine was how bad he was as Hand, which was only one year in his, like, 40-year career. So 
He was super upright, super upstanding. So this is the influence. This is the guy that all the knights are going to emulate. And he was super up and up on this whole, you know, Kingsguard don't sleep with people. And so Ashea just pointed out why that's even double important here, which is because he's of Dornish descent. They have that lustful, racist attitude pointed at them. And he's got to behave perfectly because he's comes from a minority group that is constantly judged at a higher standard. And that's a real world thing. Yeah. Uh, that, that is the case. That, that, you know. Yeah. He has to work twice as hard to be twice as perfect for the same regard or try thrice as hard. Maybe thrice as hard because he's also common born. Which yeah. Is yeah. Be a problem yeah. For you're too. right. He's got a couple levels there. Absolutely. But he's so good with a sword. That's going to create a fourth issue, which is that they're going to be jealous. He's better than them. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be better than like he's going to beat Damon and beat other people. And they're going to tell me they're going to be like, I hate him. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I wonder how much like we'll see some racism from Damon or other. Tar- we you do. know, like I, I do expect I we'll see we that. Yeah. Um, and so and this is why I lean towards and Nina and other folks lean towards mm-hmm. Rhaenyra being the wonder because Rhaenyra wouldn't, especially at her age, wouldn't appreciate Cole's situation yeah. and how and perfect about, she's, he she, has she's to mischievous act. and fun she yeah. has like Allison is talking about how like she has she doesn't have not have the freedoms afforded to her that Rhaenyra does and Damon hates Kristen Cole so he would uh-huh. want to screw Kristen Cole uh-huh. like through this method uh-huh. right because uh-huh. Cole beat him you know uh-huh. so there's a lot of evidence here a lot of like circumstantial evidence but it's a lot of it and yeah so she wouldn't understand what she's doing she's playing around she doesn't understand she's a princess like she can do what she wants etc whereas Kristen Cole has to be perfect and that explains why he's so mad when he cr- beats up Harwin Strong and bludgeons Joffrey Lonwith because he'd be so mad. Some people are like, okay, well, he was mad because he got rejected. But consider that he's mad that this princess almost ruined his whole career, this carefully uh-huh. cultivated image of himself, which he had to do or else he would be kicked out or executed or whatever, ridiculed. And he just on a whim, she just on a whim wants to throw all that away. Like, think about, think this through, young lady. Like, we can't do this. Like, I'd get executed. You'd only get a slap on the wrist, which is part of why he would be upsetting because she's putting him in such risk where, yeah, while not, not sharing gonna, that yeah, risk. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I think it does. There's just more to it. If otherwise we just have a skeezy like older dude chasing the young princess which yeah, is you like, know what 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 is good storytelling that you know yeah. what, what's the that's not you know, unrealistic no. but it's not very interesting yeah um absolutely <laughs> so, anyway that's my rant about Kristen cole i think i think a lot of y'all maybe uh will find some agreement there or not and weigh in with what you think or we'll just wait and see yeah you know and i do wonder like how like i you know i could see that at the beginning maybe Kristen does have some reciprocation of feelings that then he that's can't why help he feels, it yeah. and that's why he feels so betrayed is that like he did care about you know yeah maybe he's i, I like to a think little bit, that it isn't yeah. just like fully one-sided rainiera just like pursuing him yeah, maybe he considers but... it he's like maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe we could maybe we could run away like Jor- like jorah and danny running off yeah, <laughs> like yeah. of course he's not like jorah he would be if he <laughs> really is the one who initiates this but um still <laughs> so the one important scene um that we should discuss very briefly kind of neat that's new we see the scene of young rainiera and young allison with a werewood behind them mm. a heart tree it's like ooh, that's cool hat tip to our friend jo- yogi um, who, yeah, he had a fun idea there where, um, so we know that Allison doesn't, like, she, she lives in King's Landing, so we know this is King's Landing, this is the Red Keep, whatever. We have seen Sansa praying at a werewood stump, 
um, in Game of Thrones and the Red Keep. So maybe this is that weirwood stump. And so um, Yogi's idea was that perhaps after the North um, swears fealty to Rhaenyra, sides with Rhaenyra and not the Greens, that perhaps Aegon II cuts the weirwood down so we'll see the removal of the weirwood. Um, Which would also show. upset Creek and Stark. Yeah, it would upset Creek and Stark. You know, so like, <laughs> I think that would be interesting. The other alternative I- time when the weirwood could have been removed is when Baylor the Blessed was ruling because yeah. he would have been, you know, anti yeah. other religions. So we might not see the removal of the weirwood in the show, but if we do, I think that would be a good time for it. So, so yeah. it's already this, the change was already set up by the TV show, the game, the original TV show, but it's also a very small change having a heart tree at King's Landing. You might say, well, what do you mean? All the weirwoods were cut down so long ago. Not really. A lot of them were. Most of them were. But Harrenhal was built, finished the day Aegon's conquest began, so only a couple decades before King's Landing was built. And it had a weirwood in it. It has a heart tree. So, I mean, that's only like uh, 60 yeah. years earlier. So. Heart. Also, we see a heart tree growing in Crackclaw Point, so it could be, be a new one. I mean, yeah. well, that doesn't work because it wouldn't be a heart tree. It would just be a weirwood. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. have a carving. Okay, so yeah. scrap that yeah. idea. But still, it's... It's well set up that there are a few still in the south of the neck. That's yeah. that's not. I mean, literally, we, not know, a big we know that there was a weirwood stump in the Red Keep in King's Landing. Yeah, well, there wasn't, in, yeah. not in the books, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, that's I, what I'm, one that's the, what in the context I'm, yeah. of the show that in the yeah. show canon that has existed in the, at the Red Keep. So at some point, it had to make sense. Yeah, so it's a, it, it, and I like this idea. I like putting one there. I always kind of, I, I remember reading it and being like, I wish there was a weirwood in King's Landing. <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember that. I was like, that would that'd be kind of neat. But, and I remember Ned being like, yeah, well, there isn't one. We can go just go to the, the, there is a Godswood there. So that's, that's why it's even smaller of a change because there is a Godswood at King's Landing in the books. It just doesn't have a heart tree. Okay. One last small point. Uh, where does this quote come from about the oh, it's saddles? From the, it's from the Entertainment Weekly article. Okay. Um, one, they said some royals have ornate saddles for their winged beasts, while the egg hatching is of particular note. Ooh, so we're going to see an egg hatching, I suppose. Yeah, we well, I, we kind of knew that hope. because uh, the the offsite installation for San Diego Comic Con is called the Dragon's Den, where mm. uh, attendees, including Aziz and I, are going to get to go through Dragonstone and um, we hatch a dra- get a dragon egg, hatch the dragon there's gonna be like the dragon keeper like that's a whole that's the off-site theme is all about hatching dragons yeah so and <laughs> then we see that like damon is trying to steal the egg for mazaria's baby like he's having a baby with mazaria yeah so like he, he wants, wants one a cra- he wants a cradle egg for for her and her for their baby together yep um so you know egg hatching will be a big deal because then eventually we'll see the other younger generations and their egg. like definitely is going to be a large um plot yep Full show, and we're looking forward to see that. I would love to see just the, the way they portray that, seeing like a little baby dragon come out. Uh, yeah, be cool. yeah. It'll be neat. <laughs> uh. So, folks, that's all the notes we have. We'll, of course, be collecting all the news and notes we can, more character analysis. And I have anything two notes else we come still. Up with. Oh, you do? I oh, have my two bad. Notes too. One, um, and I don't know, unfortunately, I don't know where I read this to know whether it's um, canon, like whether it's going to be the case, but it makes sense to me. I read that we're going to see, in the course of the show, we'll see the Iron Throne get changed from the House of the Dragon version to the Game of Thrones version that during the sack of King's Landing they'll uh, take a bunch of the swords out that after that it'll change and I, I but I can't find the source to where I read that but okay. it makes sense it's, to me that we'll see the change happen in the show because yeah, you're going to have the, this will be seasons from now you know you're going to have the moon of three kings or whatever yeah so like everyone like grabs swords or something you know, like, you know I, wait, another funny <laughs> article about that is when they were making this new version of the, this new old version of the throne they 
didn't have enough swords. They borrowed swords from other shows that use swords, like The Witcher, and and that created a joke because there's a moment in season two of The Witcher where Geralt's like, "Where the heck are my swords?" And like, well, yeah, they're in the Iron Throne, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, but don't worry, apparently you're gonna get them back because they're gonna like remove them. Yeah. And I had um, two, I, and I had one little other thing. The actor who plays Jaharis is the actor Michael Carter, oh, who's yeah. been in plenty of things, but notably to me. <laughs> He was Bib Fortuna in Return of the Jedi. Yes, that Bib. He went from standing by Jabba's throne to sitting on a much fancier yes. one. But it is a similar like design, uh, like a big bench. So, kind of like yeah. I, 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 <laughs> fun thing. Um, and, we, and the actress who plays um, <laughs> Ava from, Aaron was in Sherlock and uh, some other things. He went Same from having a white worm on his head to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, okay. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. Um, we are super hyped for the show. I'm sure you can tell from our infectious interest in all these details. We will share more details when there's a worthy amount of new details to share. And we'll keep building that yeah. hype. And you can go um, to entertainmentweekly.com to find the cover shoot. I didn't put as many images from the episode as I thought because I got caught away. I got caught up chatting. I put like three images up or something like that. <laughs> but you can just go to the Entertainment Weekly cover shoot to um, see. There's a video interview. I want to make sure I note that. There is a video interview that's about 10 minutes and 30 seconds on Entertainment Weekly. It's really easy to miss because their videos kind of look like ads when you scroll down the page. That's what I thought it was. So I just want to point that, that it's a good, nice little glimpse and seeing the characters like talking in costume. Um, and there's also released today a minute long video where the characters the actors um, describe House of the Dragon in 30 seconds, nice. saying, like, like, Emma Darcy's like, a lot of really, really angry blonde people, <laughs> is what they said. <laughs> so uh, that's a fun little thing that was only released um, today. Or, uh, and again, keep an eye on Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> One of the things they're angry about is, why aren't those people blonde? Yeah. <laughs> yeah blonde people angry that more hair, That hair's brown. We need more uh, blonde people. Dang it. <laughs> okay, folks, we'll see you again soon. And you know what to do. In the meantime, not just Valar re-read us, but also Valar perhaps re-watch us. Valar re-research us. But just Valar yeah. have fun us. Valar hype us. Yeah. All the Valars. Yeah, we'll see y'all um, as usual for our um, Valar re-read us. But then next week, we're off to House of the Dragon. So make sure you keep an eye on our social media. Because yeah. that's where we'll be sharing a lot of stuff. I'll just give a plug for that, I guess, now. Because we are at Westeros History on Twitter. But our Instagrams will be a little bit quicker usually on like sharing stuff i'm at um Ashea Tara and aziz is at azizel fret so if you really want to like catch things early we I'll will be put sharing that in the description we'll oh i that. will we'll put that in the description yeah i'll write yeah. that out but just so you know that, that if you want to keep up you can follow us there cool all right folks until next time have a good one and valar reread us